So what we wanted to do today, because it's been several months since we had um, missionary um, month in November, then we had our Advent uh, build up towards Christmas throughout the month of December, and then in January, what sermon series was it? God is faithful. It's up here on the side walls. Somebody say, God is faithful. So we spent five weeks in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And now we're going to be jumping back into the book of Romans. But we thought it was important for us to get caught up and to do a little review and to get back on the same page together. For some of us, that may mean I'm giving you homework to read chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4. Oh, Pastor Josh, I feel like I'm in class. It's because you are. We are students of the word of God, and that's what the Bible says being a disciple is all about. A disciple means you are a learner. It comes from the word mathetes. Mathetes means that we are a learners. We are people who are learning. And the, the disciples of Jesus Christ were those who were following his way, his teaching. And so that's all we're trying to do. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to ask that our uh, house lights go up, and I'm going to be asking for lots of participation today. We're going to be asking um, brothers and sisters to come right here at this um, area down here on the, the uh, flat ground and help us read some portions of Scripture that I've selected through chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4. All right, so today's not going to be your, your traditional preaching sermon, today is going to be a teaching message that's going to bring us back up to speed where the body of Christ is engaged in the participation of the Word of God. How many of you know that the Word of God is an event all in itself? When we spend time in the Word of God, it's also a time of worship, okay? So um, we're going to start by opening with the word of prayer and if you're already excited about wanting to come up to help us read. I want you to um, get your Bible ready. I want you to uh, be ready to come forward, and I'll give you the scriptures that we're going to be reading, all right? So don't be shy, too. When you come up, you'll say your name, and then you'll read that portion of scripture that, that you, you're going to be assigned to read. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we want to thank you on this Sunday morning for your goodness and your mercies that are new every morning. Lord, I pray that you would just saturate this house with your presence and with your power. That, Lord, through the knowledge that we are going to be gaining this morning, that that knowledge, Lord Jesus, would be converted into power for the believer. That the Word of God will not just be letters on paper, but that the Word of God will come to life in our lives. Lord Jesus, it's our, it's our desire for you, Lord, to open our minds, for you to open our hearts, and for you to open our spiritual eyes so that we might see beautiful things in your word today. We pray all these things in Christ's name. And everyone said, and everyone said, amen. Give God a hand of praise today. I will say that in... Pastor Nena's absence, she's leading worship at a, at a nearby church. Uh, some dear friends of, of ours asked her to lead. Um, she says, 
Our, our young folks are ready and just want to recognize Brother Reuben, want to recognize Brother Jonathan and our worship team for leading us into worship today. All you music, musicians, yesterday was our first uh, musical rehearsal in three years. Three years. We're, we're getting back into the rhythms of, of studying music and worship together and our team coming together. They were here yesterday for five hours, you guys. Five hours they were here working together to bring us into that, that inner court of praise. And it made a difference, didn't it? It made such a difference. Praise the Lord. So I just want to say thank you to our worship team for your, your sacrifice, as Brother Darius said. Your sacrifice to the Lord and giving um, of your time and your energies uh, and your intellect. Because I know it comes from a heart of worship. We're going to start here in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. And I'm going to need three people to help me read the portions of Scripture that we've selected. Okay? Um, So do we have three volunteers that want to come up and line themselves up right here? Make sure you have your reading glasses. All right? Come on up. Um, And then you'll introduce yourself, and you'll read the portion of Scripture that um, I've designated. Do we have one more? One more for this portion in Romans chapter 1. One more person. All right, brother. Okay, so who's going to be first? Okay, brother, introduce yourself, and you're going to be reading Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Okay? Hello? My name is Udanu Chevalum, and I'll be reading Romans chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. This is a letter, this letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and set out to preach his good news. God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in his holy scriptures. The good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born, born into King David's family line. And he was shown to be the Son of God when he raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Brother Paco, would you read verses 16 through 17? 16, 17. God bless you, everyone. My name is Paco Martinez. And I'm going to read Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel... Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written. The righteous will live by faith. Amen. Amen. And Brother Alex will be reading verses 18 through 32. So you have a a longer portion. Good morning. My name is Alex. For the wrath of God is revealed from the heaven against all ungodliness and, and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are, are made, even his eternal power and Godhead 
so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him, him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and, and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the, the, for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to, to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is, what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, they are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, un untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Amen, amen. Thank you, gentlemen. You may be seated. You know, sometimes there's nothing better than just to go to the word itself. And that's why we appreciate the Apostle Paul and what he wrote about. It was because his purpose was to explain who God is. His desire was that people could understand and comprehend the purposes of why God created human beings. Paul has a way of explaining things and unfolding them so that we can understand his true purpose for us, which is worship. Worshiping the creator and not the created. Brother Alex read a larger portion of scripture in verses 18 through 32, which explained why God, in his frustration with mankind, turned us over to our own desires. He says, fine, you want to be stubborn? Go ahead. See how far it takes you and see where it takes you. And we're going we're gonna to look at that in just a moment. But let's go back up to the head of the chapter. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. We see here that Paul is now introducing to the people at Rome the gospel of God. Everybody say gospel of God. Notice here he doesn't start off 
this book and this chapter, calling it the gospel of Jesus Christ. Although for those who are believers and know the word of God, we understand that to be the case. We need to understand that his primary audience there in Rome were the Gentiles. Paul believed with all of his heart that God called him to be an apostle to the Gentiles. He said, okay, well, you know, the Jews, they got Peter. They got James. They got John. They got all these brothers that are bringing the gospel to those Jews and bringing them into a fuller understanding, right, and a greater faith through Jesus Christ, recognizing Jesus, who was a Jew, as the Messiah that the Jews had been expecting. So he's saying, okay, those guys are covered over there. They're doing a great job. We're seeing the, the, the kingdom of God growing and expanding, especially all throughout that region. Paul had this desire, this burning desire, to now take the gospel of Jesus Christ through salvation to a people who had not yet heard the message of Christ. For you, for me, who is it that God has called you to reach with this message of love, this message of salvation, this message of the forgiveness of sin? Who is that that God has placed you at that particular place and time to reach? Because that is what we can learn and what we can take away from Paul's introduction in Romans chapter 1. He says he was called to be an apostle and set apart. Set apart. Who have you been set apart for? Is it your family? Is it the workplace? Is it the the kids that you impact as a coach? Is it your spouse? Right? Is it your line of work? We see here that Paul lived his life on purpose. He lived his life on purpose. He knew his purpose, so he was able to live in that purpose. And living in that purpose clarified a lot of things for him. What happens, you guys, when we know our purpose? What does that help us do when we make decisions about how we spend our time and what we do in our lives? How does that help us? Clarity. Intentional decisions, right? Prioritizing the important things of life, where we go, how we live, where we spend our money, how we know how much we value. Thank you, Raina, one of our teenagers right here listening. What you value is is how we spend our time. So Paul knew his purpose. It's important that we know and understand our purpose as it is defined in the word of God. Too often, we look for purpose in things outside of the word of God. We look for things that can bring comfort and satisfaction and do things for us, but we know that those things don't last, do they? We know that the only thing that lasts is a relationship with Almighty God who loves you so much That when we receive that love, it's converted into power and strength and the ability to love, the ability to live on purpose. The gospel of God. Amen? 
And then he, he continues to unfold the beginning of chapter 1 by referring to David. Now, who is David, you guys? Who is David? David was the second king of the people of Israel in the, in the history books of when the people of Israel actually became a nation state. Because prior to that, they were a, a roaming people. They were nomads. They were a people that were called by the name of God, but they were, they were nomads, shepherds that were wandering, looking for the place that God had promised them in the promised land. They get to a point, as we learn in the Old Testament, when the people of Israel start to take shape as a formal people. And King David was the second king. And David's lineage comes through Abraham. And we also know that Jesus, his lineage comes through David as well. Because Jesus is referred to as the son of David. So Paul, knowing that many people knew who this man David was, is explaining the significance of David's role in the gospel. Look what it says here in verse 3. It says, regarding his son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David. And who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ. Paul was very, very careful to explain, okay, for everyone who was reading this letter, this letter that he was writing, so that he could explain and bring it into terms so people could understand both Jews and Gentile, how this faith or this religion impacts our world. It's not only for the Jews who had this, this man named David and who had this, you know, this great lineage, this religious lineage, but it's also for the Gentiles or the non-Jews. We're going we're gonna to look at that in just a moment. As we move forward, we see now that Paul hits on verse 16. Now, verse 16 stands out for me of chapter 1, because I remember a youth convention when I was a youngster growing up here in our church, going to the, the youth conventions, and Romans 1.16 was the theme for that youth convention, all right? And it was a wonderful theme for young people to grab onto, right? Um, because oftentimes young people have to make those decisions about who they're going to serve, about how they're going to live, and about making the distinction that they are different because of their relationship with Jesus, doesn't mean acting like you're better than anybody, right? It doesn't mean that we got to go, you know, walking around with our nose up in the air as Christians, right? It simply speaks to this important thing right here in verse 16. He says, Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. When I read this verse, for I am not ashamed. Um, you know, I got two teenagers. And there's probably moments when they're walking with their parents. Their parents do something, and they're probably struck with that, that, that moment of embarrassment because of their parents. How many of you young people in here were ever uh, embarrassed of your parents, especially in public? Yeah, we know that's the case. I'm reminded of that 
being ashamed of like, oh my gosh, here comes my loud dad. Right? Here, yeah, here comes my, my mom. Oh my gosh. My mom, she's going to lick her finger and, and slide her hair to fix my hair. Oh my gosh. You know, picking our kids up, you know, from middle school or from high school, you know, and you're out there honking the horn, let's go. And they're like kind of looking like, oh man. <laughs> it reminded me of when I was at Stephen White and whenever one of our, our family vehicles um, would kind of, you know, have, have mechanical issues, um, my parents would have to borrow the, the, the big, long, old church van. And the church, one of our church vans was um, a tan-colored van, 15-passenger, with brown and orange letters on the side that said our church name, Misiona Venezuela. And the, uh, the shocks on that thing were not too good. So whenever you were driving in that van, you could hear all the shocks and the car squeaking like, you know, coming. And oftentimes in, in junior high, my mom would be the ones dropping us off. And, and I'd, from a whole block away from the main drop-off pilot, mom, you could pull over and drop me off. Right? But the entrance is over here, Josh. Like, yeah, but, you know, I'm cool right here. There's my friend. Hey, what's up? Yeah. My mom, I'm good. And then I just slide out of that thing. For Paul, he's saying right here, if we can get into that a little bit, he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. And for Paul, that was significant for him because, you know, he had, in a way, he had converted. In a way, he had left his, his Jewish roots and the practice of the Jewish roots that, that he was once known by. As a matter of fact, Paul, this man, this great apostle that we celebrate, we don't worship him. All right, but we celebrate him and we're thankful for his writings and for his work and for his commitment to Jesus. Well, guess what? He used to kill Christians. He used to persecute Christians. He used to identify those who were following this man named Jesus. He'd have them drug out and stoned or thrown in jail or just have them live a miserable life because he was so zealous for his idea of God and his worship of, of Yahweh, of Jehovah, but he had not yet had an encounter with Yahweh himself, who is Jesus, Yeshua, right? The Messiah that the Jews had been awaiting and expecting for all those thousands of years. And so this is significant for Paul. He's like, you know what? Yeah, I used to be that, but guess what? Now I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and I'm not ashamed of it. Amen? Hallelujah. He says, I'm not ashamed because my faith in God through Jesus Christ has offered me salvation. He says, for it is the power of God for salvation. And so for us, that's a way for us to tap in to God, tap in to our commitment to Jesus. All right, let's continue now in verses 18 through 32. We read that whole portion of Scripture. Jesus now talking about, excuse me, Paul talking about the gospel of God and then introduces Jesus Christ, the one, the linchpin of whom this is all about and makes sense, now goes into the crux of the matter. Somebody say the crux. Somebody say the crux. What does crux mean? Cross. Cruz. The crux of the matter. We're at a, we're at a, a point of intersection. A critical point, which way do I go? 
And the crux of this matter is the fact that because of sin, mankind has been separated from God. And because of that sin, we are subject to the wrath of God. That is the problem. For every argument, you have to understand the problem. In order for there to be good news, there's got to be what first? Bad news. The bad news is that, man, we are sinners. And we're, we're, we all fall short of the glory of God. So he has to introduce the grave situation of what salvation is established upon is the fact that you and I can be reconciled to God through this man named Jesus. But look what he says in verse 18. He says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. So you guys, it's because of our stubbornness. It's because of our propensity or proclivity for the naughty that we then have this great need to be forgiven of our sins. It's one thing for Paul to talk about the bad stuff and then tell us what's wrong with us, including himself. He's saying this is all of us. And then leave, leave us there or leave the person there. How many times in life have we focused so much on the negative and we forgot to go back to the positive to bring that person up? At work, you ever, you're a supervisor, you have, you have to correct somebody, you have to kind of tweak some things, you got to bring them in and say, hey, we need to talk about this. You've been late one too many times, we need you to do this. Hey, but on the other hand, man, you, your production is great. We love having you around this, this company, around the office. You change things here. I just need, need your help a little bit to work on some of these things. I love that about Paul. He says, this is the problem. He goes, but don't worry, I'm about to give you the solution. I'm about to give you the solution. And then, but he goes for a whole 14 chapters, you guys. Heavy. He's like, we, and then he, he has the whole list of things that we all fall short. A whole list of things that he's identifying. And guess what? If Paul had more paper, I'm sure he would have added a whole lot of other things. Let's, let's be real. So just because we don't see everything under the sun that we might consider sin here on this list, it doesn't mean that, oh, you know what, I'm none of those, I'm good. <laughs> All right, praise God. Because that's the worst thing anybody could ever think is I don't need God or I don't need the forgiveness of sin. In other words, that means that's blasphemy against Jesus Christ. I don't need God. I don't need the work of the cross. That is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's job was to resurrect Jesus from the dead. Can I hear an amen? So the very work that Jesus is talking about is that pe so that people can understand. So what Paul's trying to get at is this understanding that, guys, guess what? Yes, it is bad. Yes, there's a lot of things that we've seen under the sun. And here we are in the 21st century. And if we, we rewind... 2,000 years ago, we say, oh, man, things are just getting worse. Well, you know what? The Bible says that there's nothing new under the sun. It's just that we have, we have more cameras and more eyes, and we have, you know, more, more people putting a, putting a magnifying glass on things that do take place in the world. But the fact of the matter is, is that death, destruction, 
division, right, has always been here. Amen? Praise the Lord. So, what is the punishment for sin? Death. Death is the punishment of sin. That is the wrath of God. But thank, thankfully, the Lord provided a way for us. We're going to go into Romans chapter 2 now. All right, so I need three more people to come up. Three more people. Three more people that want to help us. We got one. Okay, come on up, brother. Come on up. We need one more person. All right, we got it right here. Chukoma, you're going to come up? Come on up, guys. One of you guys are going to help us read chapter 3, so come on up. We'll let these brothers, Brother Albert, if you could just stay right here in the front. Okay, um, brother, introduce yourself and um, read verse 1. You just got one verse. Chapter 3, right? Chapter, chapter 2. Oh, chapter 2, okay. Hello, everyone. My name is Reuben. Uh, Romans chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are, whoever you are who judge, for in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself, for you who judge practice the same things. Amen. You're going to read verses 17 through 24, and please introduce yourself, young man. Uh, good morning. My name is Chukoma. Now you, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and boast in God, if you know his will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of, the little, of little children, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth. You then teach who teach others. Do you not teach yourself? You, you who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do, not, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Amen. Thank you, Chukoma. Brother Josh, would you read verses 28 and 29? Good morning, brother. Good morning, brothers. This is, my name is Josh Ramirez. I'll be reading uh, chapters 28 to 29. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circum circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. Amen. Let's give our brothers a, a hand of appreciation. So we, we see here now in chapter 2, Paul starting to move into the next segment. Eyes up right here. Eyes up. Chapter 2. He starts off by saying, you therefore have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else for at whatever point you judge the other, you're condemning yourself because you pass judgment. You who pass judgment do the same things. He's saying, be careful that you don't go judging people. We, we make this long list of folks, and if the first thing that comes to mind is somebody else that you know that fits that mold, he's like, uh-uh, that's not what this is about. This is to identify the fact that we are all sinners. 
We are all sinners. And before we all act high and mighty and start walking around like we got it all figured out, he's trying to, to level the playing field for both the Jews and the Gentiles. So when I see Paul doing that, I go, okay, he's up to something. He's trying to unite a people. He's trying to bring a people together with the common bond and understanding that they are all in need of Jesus. They're all in need of Jesus. In other words, we're all in need of Jesus. His conversation also then launches into the conversation between the Jew and the Gentile. In this chapter, several months ago, we talked about the Apostle Paul being like a referee. Wearing a, maybe a, a white and black, you know, pinstripe jersey. Refereeing between two teams. Because Rome was such a diverse place. It was such a big place. And there were all these new believers. There were people that were coming from pagan idolatry. There were people that were coming from atheism. There were agnostics. There were folks that were worshiping all different kinds of things. And so Paul was trying to unite a people and give them a place of understanding and a way to believe in the faith. Okay, so he begins to speak about the Jews and who they are. And, and he speaks to, to the Jewish people there at Rome. And he says, hey, if you are a worshiper of God and you know the scriptures, this is an opportunity for you to be reminded that you're no better than the next guy if he doesn't know what you know. I love that for us. I love that for us here in Los Angeles. In the 21st century, Mission Ebenezer Family Church, whether you've served God and known him for a long time or whether you're a new believer, whether you're somebody that doesn't ever know the scriptures, never even picked up a Bible, praise God. Guess what, you guys? We're all at the same place at the foot of the cross. And so when one person may know a little something, guess what? God wants to use that person to bring somebody else into that knowledge and into that understanding. Hey, brother, you know, hey, you might want to consider, you know, some of those things because, you know, that doesn't really glorify God, right? We need to be able to bring our young people up in the word of God, right, and living the, the example of Jesus Christ for them so that they could recognize how important it is for them to be able to go through this process of transformation. Thankfully, Paul had the foresight to see that there was a lot of growth that needed to take place. Raise your hand if you know that you have a lot to learn and you, there's a lot of growth that still needs to, needs to take place in your life. I'm raising my hand right here, man. I love what Steve Harvey says. He's like, I'm a work in progress. Don't judge me. We're all works in progress. Let's be careful not to judge one another. But if God does want to use you to help a brother and sister, Scripture also teaches how we can go about that to where we're glorifying him in those conversations. Amen? And finally, because he is speaking to this Jewish crowd and also these Gentiles, people back then, they knew what circumcision was, was and what it meant. And if folks didn't know the religious reasons for why the children, the, the boys in the Jewish faith were circumcised, then he explains it. He says, yes, to be a Jew, if you were a male, you had to be circumcised, all right? He says, but 
that's not the identifying marker. That is not the seal of what it truly means to be a worshiper of God. Because Jesus himself, he said, you may have heard Moses say these things. And and we've studied the, the law of Moses in the Old Testament and how the Jews adhered to the law of Moses, which is the Pentateuch or the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And the Jews committed their lives to learning the word of God and living it out in an attempt to to not ever disobey or break the law of Moses or the law of God. Well, Paul says, hey, guess what? Jesus came to deliver us from works righteousness. Jesus came to deliver us from this idea that we can become perfect by obeying all of these long list of laws and rules. And as a matter of fact, the only way that you can even please God is by having faith in Jesus Christ, his son. And he says the true circumcision is not circumcision of the flesh, but circumcision of what? Of what? Of the heart, which simply means, God, you belong to me and I belong to you now. I'm I'm turning over a new leaf. Father God, I'm going to come after you, Lord Jesus. I'm going to walk in your ways. I'm going to allow the word of God to be an authority over my life. I'm going to let the word of God illuminate my path from here on out, and I'm going to learn to do things the way of Christ. Amen? Amen. So Paul's bringing us in his treatise in the book of Romans into this greater understanding. And our hopes for today is that we can all regroup as we dive into Romans and prepare ourselves for the journey that's going to be taking place here in the next several weeks. Okay, let's go to Romans chapter 3. I need two volunteers, two volunteers. We got Brother Albert. Come on up, brother. Um, And who else? Brother Joe. Come on up, brothers. All right, let's give our brothers a round of applause. Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 11. And Brother Joe, 20, verses 21 to 24 in Romans chapter 3. Hey, you guys, how many of you are enjoying today? It's very different. We're getting everybody involved. We're learning. We're growing. If you have a, a journal or a notebook, okay, these verses are important for us to go. And I want to uh, invite us to read these four chapters this week. Go ahead. 1 through 11? Yeah, uh, uh, 9. 9 through 11, nine chapter through. 3. Hey. Good morning, family. My name is Albert. Good morning. So what shall we conclude then? Do we have an advantage? Not at all. For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. Amen. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands There is no one who seeks God. Good morning, church. Uh, My name is Joe. 21 through 24. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. As was promised in in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us us from the penalties of our sins. Amen. 
Praise the Lord. Let's give God a hand of praise today. Hallelujah. That's the good news. That's the good news. There is not one who is righteous. No, not one. Not one of us are righteous before God or better than one another. But the only one who was and who is is Jesus Christ. Isn't that good news, you guys? And guess what? You don't have to be Jesus either. You don't got to condemn yourself, hate yourself. You don't got to tear yourself down when you fall short, when you, when you make a mistake, when you fall. Guess what? Jesus is the one who is there to pick you up. He's like, I got you. And I'll always, got, I'll always have you. I got you, Jesus says. And that's how we have to be for one another. Reaching down to our brother or our sister when they're going through, when they're struggling, when they face it, when they make a mistake. Because you're going to make a mistake and you're going to need that brother or that sister to be Christ in that moment to pick you up. Man, I just recently watched a movie called Father Stew. Anybody seen it? (sighs) Couldn't stop crying. Couldn't, Couldn't stop crying. Couldn't stop crying in that movie. The second half of the movie is just all about redemption. It's all about those who are unfit and unworthy, not qualified, don't look the part, being covered by the blood of Jesus. It brought me down to a place of just abject humility before God and remembering the kind of a sinner that I am. For me, it, it broke open the floodgates and, and, and threw out the invitation to brothers and sisters who have a heart and want to serve the Lord and say, come on, come one, come all. Let's all serve Jesus. We're all sinners. Oh, but you don't know my background, Pastor. Oh, yeah, but God does. Oh, oh but, but you don't know what I've done. It's okay. You don't know what I've done. Let's leave it at that. And that's what Paul understood about the gospel of Jesus Christ and the blood of the Lamb. All of his knowledge and all of that great zeal and all that great power that he possessed, God wanted to redeem it and bring it to another place, to another level, to give it a new dignity through Jesus Christ, which was to dignify everyone in this world through Jesus It's eliminating the the line that separates haves from have-nots, from the the rich from the poor, the educated from the non-educated, the white collar from the blue collar. Can I hear an amen? He says in verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. You're probably wondering, so pastor, why didn't you elucidate the fact about the movie Father Stew a little bit more? It's because I don't want to give that movie away because it just came out on on, uh, Netflix. You're probably going to go watch it. And it's going to bless your heart. Now we want to move into chapter four. And I, I need three more people to volunteer. I need some sisters. Sorry. I just I need some sisters up here. Now the brothers are leading the way. And I'm glad that the brothers have been leading the way. Let's give it up for our brothers that, that have been helping us these last three chapters. 
We got three women of God right here. Let's, let's make some noise for these three women of God right here. Come on, y'all. So, sister, you're going to read verses 1 through 8. And then second, you'll be reading verses 16 through 17. And then our final sister, verses 20 to 25. If you could in- introduce yourself. That's why I'm not saying your names, although I know them. Um, introduce yourselves, and, and then let's go to the word. Good morning. Uh, my name is Samantha. So this is chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. David David says the same thing that we, when we speak of... Wait, hold on, sorry. David says the same thing when we speak, when he speaks of this blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those who are, whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin, is, whose, sin, whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Amen. Thank you, sister. Verses 16 and 17. Hi, church. I'm Tabitha, and I'll be reading Romans 4, 16 through 17. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace, and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Hallelujah. Let the word of God speak. And of course, uh, dear sister, this is my wife, for those who don't know, uh, verses 20 through 25. Good morning, church. I'm Sister Boomy, and I'm bringing the word. No, I'm reading the word. Excuse me. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Thank you, sisters. One more round of applause for our dear sisters who read the scriptures. We see here in chapter 4 that Paul then introduces Father Abraham. And Father Abraham, who was the father of many nations, was called that. And called into relationship because of his faith in God and his trust in God. Notice how Paul continues to use and reference God the Father and not just God the Son or Jesus Christ. He said right here. Verse 21. Being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. 
This is why it was credited to him as righteousness, meaning Abraham. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, believe in God, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. So now Paul is now bringing us along this continuum of understanding that now our faith in God is being, is being made possible through Jesus Christ. And why, how Abraham, who believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, was given eternal life, given salvation, or made righteous by God because of his faith. So he's going to leave us there in chapter 4 in order that we understand that salvation if you could earn it, right, by doing something, then the work of Christ would not have any meaning. If you could earn your salvation by just being a good person, then the whole purpose of why God gave of himself and gave his son to us would have no meaning. So that's kind of counterintuitive as to the faith. But Paul discovers that way back when Father Abraham understood it. And Paul is bringing something that he discovered in the scripture, in the law of Moses itself, about Father Abraham, and bringing it now into their faith and their understanding of faith in Christ. So Paul now introduces that, that faith that Abraham had, that gave him righteousness, is now being reintroduced with the greater meaning through Jesus Christ, through the Messiah. So, so Paul is building on the faith of old and bringing everybody to a greater understanding, a greater faith, a deeper walk with God through this idea called grace. Somebody say grace. And grace is something that we can offer to one another because of the grace that was offered to us. Amen.